Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are days, mere days away now, single day, away from the Browns' final preseason game, and with it, the looming cuts down to the 53-man roster and all of those wild decisions that are coming that you know are going to be the topic of discussion. And there's a lot of guys playing for their football life here. And, you know, to be honest, the Browns are in a precocious situation because they're trying to figure out some guys who need to play, who need to prove themselves with the 53, but they also really want to get some of the guys who matter to the to the Chiefs game, week one being ready, out there to play. Stefanski noted after the practice session we'll have some select players, some of the select starters play in this game. Baker Mayfield will play in this game. There are other guys that we're going to hold out. I would expect some of the offensive line, maybe not all of it, some of it will be out there uh, as a means to get them ready. Maybe not the J.C. Treaders, Joel Batonios of the world, but some of the guys who aren't, you know, longtime veterans could see some time there. And it just really depends on depth, too. We'll see who ends up playing. You know, that didn't state very clearly. The OBR was lucky enough to learn that Anthony Walker will be playing. Brad Stainbrook got that scoop. Um, but yeah, there's there's a little bit of gray area, and our guests will talk about with the Falcons, too. There's a little bit of gray area for who's playing for the Falcons. But that's uh, that's the news of the day, is that we will get to see some of these veterans play Um in, in, in Atlanta, and it's going to be nice to see. I mean, you can you can argue both sides of the coin. I mean, there's a lot of veteran coaches like, you know, the Browns play the Chiefs. Andy Reid's playing all of his guys right now. They're all out there for portions of the first half, sometimes the entire first half, guys that matter. And, like, Steve Spagnuolo running their defense is running a wide variety of schemes. You want to talk about not being vanilla. They're throwing some things out, coverage disguise, rolling a safety up to the line of scrimmage, hauling him out, cover two, bail hard, cover six stuff, they're going crazy. So the Chiefs are in a completely different preparation stage than the Browns. They're doing it differently. We'll see how it looks week one. If one team looks rusty, if one team looks tired, we'll see. Stefanski noted, the thinking is making a decision based on every single player, what we feel they need to get. If a guy needs to be ready to go, we have a plan. But I want to see how it goes leading up to it, and I want to see how it goes early in the game. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, but they're definitely going to – they're, they're going to play guys early. He said, I'm not going to go through who's playing, who's not. I gave you Baker, Stefanski said. you got to tune in Sunday night. NBC wants me to keep it a secret. Always the dry humor stuff. I think we need to be smart about everything we do. I think that's why we have joint practices that are so important because it's a controlled environment where our guys get close to 60 reps against the Giants last week, and that's an important situation. It's all part of it. The way you practice and then the way you play is similar. It's all good work. I look at it that way. Harrison Bryan also touched on the situation. He said you know, about the the timing, getting your timing down in the preseason. I wouldn't say it's really anything someone needs. I don't know what the game plan is in terms of what coaches think he's going to play and stuff, but if we're all out there, then we're all going to go out there and compete. Whenever we're on the practice field, game field, preseason game, whatever it is, we're going to compete. But it wouldn't say anybody really needs it. You know, the question was also back to Stefanski about whether the defense needed to get particular reps because there's so many new guys on that side of the ball. He said, I think for all those guys, whether you're on the practice field or you're in a walkthrough or you're in a preseason game, I think it's a great opportunity for guys to communicate with each other, to change the front, to change the blitz on motion. Stefanski says, all of this is invaluable. 
So the guys that are out there on Sunday night will certainly be getting some important reps, but I don't discount the reps that we're getting out here, meaning, you know, can't discredit practice. Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa update. He still can't wear a helmet. He's not going to play Sunday, the helmet issue. It's unfortunate. But just to make him wear a helmet in the weight room, we'll just have to make him wear a helmet in the weight room next time, Stefanski said. He's doing a nice job out there. But right now, they need to give him a little bit more time, get him ready. Should be okay by the time the season gets here. But, um, you know, still dealing with the, the healing of those stitches. Uh, and I know you guys care. You care about stitch updates. Well, this guy's an important player, so you're going to have to touch on a little bit of what's going on with him, whether he's practicing or not. Um, Stefanski touched on Tack McKinley, said he's doing a nice job out here, but I'm not going to go down the roster, say who's playing and who's not. So he couldn't confirm whether Tack McKinley was playing. Odell is ramping it up. We hear more and more. He took two reps in 11-11, six reps in 7-on-7, caught a touchdown pass from Mayfield during 7-on-7 in the red zone. Um, it's all about a, it's all a process for Odell, just trying to listen to the medical staff, Stefanski said, on what he's really ready to do. So this is normal ramp-up period, if you will. And they have two weeks after this game of ramp-up for him to get ready for Kansas City as well. Uh, Rashard Higgins, Troy Hill among Browns sitting out. This is confirmed. Um, I think Troy Hill is is dealing. They sat out of practice Friday. Not sure exactly what Troy Hill's dealing with, but the, the hamstring thing is going on with Rashard Higgins. Stefanski again noted that he's just trying to be smart. Other guys who sat out, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, Sione Takitaki, hamstring. Michael Dunn has not been practicing for a while with the back. Looks like um, the rookie linebacker Tony Fields got back into things, his full first full practice since camp practices began. Uh, MJ Stewart, Chris Hubbard also returned to practice. Davion Davis uh, practiced Friday uh, despite having come up a little limp. So that's the update. Those Some of those guys are pretty much already out. We'll keep an eye on that and update you guys as we go. I'll make sure to clear that up tomorrow morning's podcast, game day podcast, make sure I know who exactly is is the update uh, uh, guys who are out there. So we're going to shift over to our podcast guest today. It is uh, none other than Miles Garrett. Not that Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett of uh, Fox 5 in Atlanta. He's going to talk to us about the game, talk to us about the Atlanta Falcons in 2021. Let's get to that interview right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I'm welcoming in Miles Garrett, maybe not the one you would hope for, but I think of Miles Garrett who's going to give us some really good insight on the Falcons. How are you, my friend? Doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. How, I got to ask the, the low-hanging fruit question here is how many times are you confused for Miles on social media? Oh, so many times. Uh, I mean, this week alone, I've gotten a few, um, not even related to the upcoming game. I think there was a couple uh, MMA references because I believe Jake Paul called out Miles Garrett, something like that. Yeah. And I had a bunch of people 
asked me if I'm ready to fight Logan Paul. So had some fun with that, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, it's kind of died down a little bit from what it was maybe last year, but uh, I still get it. Well, I, I mean, do you ever play back? Do you ever like, yeah, I would love to, I can't wait to fight him. Tell him to get a hold of me. Oh, 100, 100%. In fact, I did that yesterday to, to some person that did. They, they asked me if I'm ready and I was like, oh yeah, like he's scared of me, all this kind of stuff. And they still didn't get it because they were like, oh man, I got to follow you now. Uh, what brown jersey should I get? And I was like, yeah, you should get the brown one. And he's just like, dude, are you not seeing that I do that? I am not him. Like, not only do, do I spell my name differently, I, uh, I look so similar, you know, as a five foot 10 white dude, who's a you know reporter in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all over the, I was looking up cause I actually, you know, I follow a bunch of this, this podcast is film breakdown based. So I follow a bunch of people from a bunch of different teams, but I haven't, haven't really noticed anybody from Atlanta that I've at least followed along. So I was really searching and I was like, hold on, his name's Miles Garrett. We got it. We got to talk to Miles <laughs> Garrett here, man. So, um, yeah, yeah it only makes sense. We'll, uh, we'll move off that topic that I'm sure you spend way too much time talking about. And we'll talk preseason. <laughs> so the Falcons are two games into this thing. They, the Titans, uh, first one, I think I correct me if I'm wrong here. went Titans dolphins kind of just give me the feel of how those two games went and, and where, uh, and where the Falcons are here in the preseason as they head into uh, into this this third game, most important game, the Browns announced Baker Mayfield and some other starters are going to play. Is that the same vibe too in Atlanta for some of their starters? Yeah, Arthur Smith likes to play things really close to the chest when it comes to you know what his plans are. Uh, the overall vibe that we've gotten from practice this week is that the starters will get some kind of work in. You know whether that's one drive or two drives remains you know to be seen at this point, but. I'm expecting to see the starters to get some work in. I mean, at least Kyle Pitts, you know, we're all waiting to see him play. We haven't seen him once. Um, you know, guys like Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gage, uh, Matt Ryan, I'm sure will probably get maybe a drive or so. But, yeah, they, they haven't played almost a single starter yet. I think on the, 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 in, the, in the Dolphins game there was maybe one or two guys that played. But for the most part, it's been second and third stringers the entire preseason. We haven't seen anybody. I mean, Kyle Pitts has dressed out for both games, but he hasn't seen the field once. So, I don't, again, I don't know if that's just uh, Arthur Smith trying to play chess with uh, opposing defenses already in the preseason. But, uh, yeah, the vibe is we're going to finally see some of these starters because, you know, the Falcons fans have been already freaking out, you know, because of the performances that we've seen so far. It hasn't been good. It's been very, very bad. Uh, you know, we, they didn't even score a touchdown until the very end of the game last week against the Dolphins. So, um, you know, they, they need to take it with a grain of salt. They haven't seen the starters play once yet, but uh, the depth is a little bit of a concern right now for the Falcons. Yeah, I think that's where Cleveland has found some success, at least recently, is adding so, sort of those supplementary pieces to their roster to make this sort of version of the Browns a non-starter version, a competitive version. They're really focusing on de- defensive line, and I'm going to ask you about Tack McKinley later as he was away from the Browns for a little bit, just came back. I want to get your opinion on that, but they're trying to look at rotational defensive end players. They're looking at how they solve their defensive tackle group. They have frontline guys that aren't playing, but they're looking at depth, sort of sort of filling those things. Are there any through the first two weeks for Atlanta and kind of going into this week positions that you guys are trying to pay close attention to to maybe A, find who's going to play a majority of Sundays, but also B, fill out the end of the 53-man? Yeah, no, it, it's a bit of a question mark right now for a lot of spots because, number one, the Falcons have just been in cap hell from – the previous uh, staff, you know, with Thomas Dimitrov and the, the GM there, we, we were kind of in a bit of a sticky situation with the players that could stay on. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons why Julio Jones had to be let go is because of his cap hit. But um, as far as position groups to watch, you know, there's, there's quite a few, honestly. I mean, 
the offensive line right now is just a group that has been a you know rotating almost every week, whether that's injuries or just uncertainty at the moment. Um, you know, guys like Josh Andrews who have come from uh, the Jets, uh, a couple of new draft picks, and Drew Dahlman and Jalen Mayfield. Uh, they're expecting big things out of them, but at the moment it's just been you know rotating everywhere. So they're really trying to shore up offensive line depth at the moment. Um, other than that, the defense is very it's, – it's kind of a big question mark right now because there's a lot of unknowns there too. Dean Pease is sort of you know, what a lot of Falcons fans are counting on as the biggest ad this offseason as the defensive coordinator. You, know, you have your certainties in, in Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones, you know, two sort of staples on that defense. But behind them, you know, it, it is kind of, it, it's kind of iffy. Um, you know, linebackers are expected to be something of a strong seat for them this season. Uh, with Deion Jones and Foye Aluakon. Um Dante Fowler is still a bit of a question mark, but as far as guys behind them, it's it's been, you know, it hasn't been exciting. You know, you've seen it in the preseason. Teams have just sort of run all over them. Uh, one guy who I'm expecting big things from and who I'm expecting personally to start by the end of the season, uh, I believe he was the Falcons' either fifth or sixth-round draft pick, uh, Ade Ogundeji at Notre Dame. Um, he right now, I mean, is listed on the depth chart as number three, but he's really pushing for a potentially a starting role on this defensive line, uh, perhaps at, you know, the, the end position to, to rush the passer. But, um, he's the guy that I expect the Falcons to hold on to. Um, Dorian Etheridge has done some good things at linebacker, whether he makes the team is unknown. He had a really good first game against the Titans. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's currently listed, uh, third string behind Deion Jones. How is, um, you know, we we talk about Kyle Pitts. I just invested some serious money. No one talks about their fantasy team, they, and they really shouldn't. But I invested <laughs> in Kyle Pitts last night in a, in a draft, so I'm expecting some big things. But I we we won't talk about Kyle because he hasn't played. But Richie Richie Grant, second round pick, right? Has he seen some time in the preseason? How's he looked? He has. Uh, you know, Richie Grant's actually a, a personal favorite of a lot of the media because he's just a great sound bite when when we we've spoken to him. The Falcons' second round pick. Uh, you know, he's going to go through some growing pains. Um, you know, he, he's not ready yet. Uh, that's why they brought in guys like uh, Deron Harmon and Eric Harris to sort of uh, pick up that mantle for a little bit before he's ready because he just isn't yet. Um, but I could expect him to push for it by the end of the season. Um, you know, those, those guys are sort of placeholder type guys, I expect. Um, I think they want to sort of build this defense through the, from the ground up, from the draft. Uh, they're expecting big things out of him. Um, Arthur Smith himself says that he, he wants Richie to sort of, you know, take the step that he's hoping to see just hasn't taken it yet because, you know, it's the preseason. He's a rookie. He's getting through some growing pains right now, but they're expecting a lot out of him from, uh, from central Florida, hoping he, he pans out because Lord knows they need help in the secondary right now. Josh Rosen just signed. Wouldn't expect him to play that, that quickly. Has it been uh, pretty much Felipe Franks playing most of the snaps at quarterback, or what's going on with uh, that? And who should Browns fans expect to see under center for this one? I know Matt Ryan will play maybe a little, like you said, but is it Franks the whole way? No, no. Believe it or not, uh, they should be splitting time, uh, Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks. Um, Josh Rosen will play and probably will play a lot in this final game. Um, they they, they want to figure out this backup quarterback position, and, you know, they – it's fairly obvious, you know, from being at training camp, they don't want Felipe Franks to be that backup. And, you know, for good reason, he, he just isn't ready. I mean, you saw what he did at Arkansas, at Florida. He's a great talent. He's got the intangibles, but he just, he, he, he there's a reason why he went undrafted. You know, he, he doesn't have that it factor. You know, he, he has, you know, these great runs and whatnot, but he just is unpredictable with the turnovers and, you know, his decision-making just isn't there. 
So they brought Josh Rosen in, I think, with the mentality that they're hoping he wins this backup job. So far, he's been pretty good in practice for as good as you can be, you know, <laughs> a few days into practice. Um, but Arthur Smith said that he wants to give both guys a fair shot at winning this job. Um, so we'll see what happens in this final preseason game. Expect to see a lot of Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks. I think they will get the same amount of snaps. Uh, again, I'm not sure how much Matt's going to play, um, but I'm expecting Felipe to go first right after Matt. Um, but uh, I don't think Josh will be that far behind. I'd, uh, I'd honestly forgot all about AJ McCarron's injury. That's kind of what forced the hand there. Um, oh, yeah. They brought right. in Blake Bortles, too. <laughs> they did. did. Is Blake still there, or is he, is he, did they let him go? No, he, he came in for a workout. Um, and, again, I, I won't expect the Falcons to be done looking at quarterbacks, judging how this final preseason game goes. Uh, you know, they've made it known that you know, they're going to be paying close attention to the waiver wire. Um, and again, if Felipe doesn't make the roster, I expect him to be a practice squad guy. And, you know, who knows Josh Rosen, we haven't really seen him play yet. So, uh, it could, I mean, I, I will say he has looked good in the couple days of training camp that you can look. So take that with, it's with how you want it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they said that they might not be done yet. So who knows how that'll go at this point. Yeah, it's an offense I think Josh could find some success in uh, because it can it can help guide a quarterback down the right path. And I've, I've been a fan of what Arthur does offensively, especially with Tennessee and seeing them as the Browns have the last two years. I think it could be pretty good for him. Talk real quick about running back, because these are two positions that seem to dominate conversation. Um, you know, for Browns fans, what wide receivers will get a lot of throws their way? And then sort of what run, I know Mike Davis probably won't play much, but what running backs will see the field? Yeah, the running back is an oddly deep position for the Falcons right now. Um, they just let go uh, Javian Hawkins, who was sort of a surprise cut for a lot of people. For me, not so much because he was just a guy that was getting the least amount of reps, the running back out of Louisville. Um, but he had potential pretty quick. He was actually just signed by Tennessee days later. So don't know if Arthur Smith maybe tipped him off there that he might be a decent player. But uh, yeah, they're they're very deep. We haven't seen Mike Davis play or Cordero Patterson yet. Um, those are the two guys I'm expecting to go one and two um, this season. Uh, Quadre Allison, they're using him a lot more. You know, th- this was a guy that wasn't really used at all under Dan Quinn. Um, I'm expecting his role to sort of increase a lot. You know, this is a team that's going to want to run the ball a lot more than they have. They- they've-, they've sort of abandoned the run game ever since Devontae Freeman left. Um, it hasn't really been the same type of offense, number one, because of offensive line and Number two, they just get down so early, you know, they just sort of abandon it. Um, but those are two guys to watch. Mike Davis, again, I don't know if he'll play. Deontay Foreman was sort of a recent signee. Um, I believe he was with the Texans before, but, I mean, hey, he won the Doak Walker Award in college. So uh, he, he's, he's got a little bit of pedigree. Again, I don't know how much we'll see of him. Um, but, uh, again, it's a fairly deep group for, uh, for this team right now that, uh, you know, we, we could see sort of a rotation for them. Yeah, I will ask real quick. Second-year guys are still getting a lot of preseason time, so I didn't know how some of these guys are coming along for you. Michael Walker, Marlon Davidson, to name a few. How are, how are second-year guys looking? And then uh, I think like Matt Hennessy's involved in that, and, and yeah. uh, AJ, mm-hmm. AJ Terrell, too. Is AJ Terrell getting started? So just looking at what the second-year guys are looking like. Sure, sure. Yeah, AJ Terrell, I think, will we'll take a jump this year into being, you know, perhaps a staple of this defense. Uh, he looks a lot more comfortable. I mean, a lot of people didn't think he had a great year in, in year one. I thought he did fantastic for, you know, not having a training camp and not having a proper preseason. 
Uh, you know, given what he had to work with. Uh, I've been really liking what I've been seeing with him in training camp and the coaches have too. Uh, he's sort of, you know, I don't want to say taking on a leadership role because he's only a second year player, but he just looks more confident on the field with what he's doing. Uh, I'm definitely expecting a big jump out of him. And as you said, uh, this, those other guys, Matt Hennessy is going to be the starting center for this team. Uh, he takes over from Alex Mack. Uh, big shoes to fill. Uh, he, he he definitely had some growing pains at the end of last season. Um, but uh, he seems fairly confident with what he's doing. You know, that's always a tricky position for a first-year guy because, you know, timing is so important with the, at the center position, you know, with a, with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. Um, but Matt seems confident, or both Matt seems confident, Matt Ryan and Matt Hennessy. Um, but for now, he's one of the, the firm penciled-in starters on the offensive line. You know, you have Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, uh, and Matt Hennessy really is the third certainty right now. There's sort of two open spots, if you will, at the moment uh, on that offensive line. Uh, Marlon Davidson, they're expecting a lot out of. Um, they're hoping he takes a little bit of a bigger jump. He's shown so much promise on the defensive line. Um, but, he, he, you know, he, he has, he's been out for a little bit with an injury. Um, again, I don't know how much that's going to affect him going forward. And Michael Walker is another guy they're expecting a lot out of, too. As you said, uh, he, he sort of is built in that Deion Jones mold where he's, you know, just athletic, freakish-type athlete. He just might need to put on a little bit of size, which I think he did this offseason. I think he put on a few pounds, um, and I think it shows during training camp. He, he made a couple big plays in that first game against Tennessee. So, um, he's definitely going to be pushing for playing time. That's for sure. Uh, we actually just ran a piece on him uh, at my station this past week, um, you know, on what he's been doing to sort of, uh, you know, get ready for this season. One guy who uh, I was expecting a lot out of, but he hasn't really taken that jump yet for me is Kendall Sheffield um, at the cornerback position. Uh, I was expecting to see him do a little bit right now. He's listed as AJ Terrell's backup. Um, and you know, he, he's, he's been a little iffy in practice. There's, there's word going around that he could potentially be cut. I don't see that happening, uh, just based on, on, you know, I don't think they're going to give up on him that quickly. Uh, but I was hoping that he'd take a little bit of a jump for me. Um, he's been making a couple plays in practice, but games, he sort of disappeared a bit. So as far as the second year guys, you know, John Comiskey needs to play better. Um, that's just simple. Um, you know, he, he just needs to get, get better. There's no other way to put it. Because um, the defense needs as much help as it can get right now. Well, they, it looks like—I mean, if I recall here—they're pretty invested at corner. They took Isaiah Oliver in an 18 draft, right? So they've been—they've been trying to address it. We're pretty familiar with Kendall Sheffield up in Ohio territory from the <laughs> Ohio State connection when he transferred in and raw, but a heck of an athlete. So I, I do hope it works out. And I'll be honest—if you guys do end up in Atlanta, ends up cutting him, I think. Cleveland could be a little bit interested in that waiver wire situation because they're looking for a sort of end of their depth chart uh, corner. So, yeah, something for Browns fans to keep monitoring. Uh, oh, last, sure. last question uh, I wanted to throw at you. The, the, the tight end stuff looks like with, with the way Arthur plays his offense, I would imagine they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. Have they talked about putting pits in the slot or out at X or anything like that, getting creative with him? He has been almost everywhere on the field. I've seen him line up out wide. I've seen him in the slot. I've seen him in three tight end sets, two tight end sets. You're right. Arthur Smith is utilizing the hell out of the tight end position. I mean, I've seen a lot of three tight end sets. You know, they're using him all over the field. I think I've seen him, you know, sort of in that fullback type position for maybe a play or two. You know, he's not, you know, running fullback plays, but just starting out you know, in that position, Arthur Smith is utilizing the tight end position big time, you know, uh, Hayden Hurst could end up having a big year. He's in a contract year right now. 
Um, so he's going to be playing for, you know, for some money this off season. So, I mean, a lot of the, all the eyeballs are going to be on Kyle Pitts, but Hayden Hurst could be the hidden gem here. And, and a lot of people are forgetting about Lee Smith too. You know, they just signed him as well. And, uh, you know, Matt's been throwing to him a lot, but I'm expecting a lot out of Kyle Pitts. I'm expecting him to be perhaps maybe Matt's favorite target because if the preseason or if, the, if training camp has been any indication of, of what or how Matt Ryan will, will operate, orchestrate this offense, Kyle Pitts looks like he's going to be his best friend just because of the routes he's running, sort of that safety net option. Uh, I think he's going to throw a lot to him. Well, the Browns were the only team in the NFL last year with uh, 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field, more than 500 snaps. I think what Arthur Smith dealt with in Tennessee, he wants to use tight ends like crazy, but he didn't have the personnel. Now it sounds like he has the personnel where I think if we look at this at the end of the year, Miles, I think we're probably going to see Cleveland and uh, Cleveland and Atlanta pretty close because this a pretty. It's obviously the same offensive tree. It's the same system, and then you know utilizing your best personnel. I would imagine that they end up doing a lot of that. We'll should, we'll close with uh, Tack McKinley. Just one. I mean, he's he's <laughs> the laugh is the giveaway. Um, it's just so funny because the, it, people leave one place and then you get the optimistic fan base who thinks that that they know everything about this guy when they don't. I like to ask people who covered them. So. What And I really didn't get to ask anybody this this offseason. So Tack had left the Browns at the end of July. We don't know why. We have not been given an answer why. doesn't seem physical. Could be mental. I mean, we would lean it that way. It could be anything. And I don't like yeah. to speculate. could be mental health. could be anything with a family member. I don't know. It's not my place to speculate. But obviously he left with some disconnect. I know there was a falling out, which is interesting because he was, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but he was relatively productive his first two seasons and then it all fell apart. So I'm sort of looking at what what happened and do you think there's still a good football player there to be found? Yeah, I mean, the, the talent is definitely there, right? I mean, there was the reason he was drafted in the first round, even though I was team TJ Watt, but, you know, I guess I'm not GM for a reason. They could have listened to me on that, but whatever. Yeah, when it comes to Tack, he, he's, he just never got that mental side down. And there were rumblings, you know, toward the beginning of his career that he had sort of that, you know, he, he might have had some personal issues uh, off the field that he might have to deal with. And they sort of came to fruition. He didn't have that work ethic. Um, you know, it was sort of the same thing that they had with Vic Beasley. Uh, you know, Dan Quinn sort of stuck his his neck out for Vic and it, it never came to fruition. And the same thing sort of happened with Tack. Um, you know, they, they just were waiting for him to, you know, put in that work in the off season and, and try to take that next step. And he just never did. Um, so it's, it's, he's it, a bit of a wild card. It, it's hard to see where he's at at this point because he's been signed and unsigned by so many teams. I believe he's been with, with what the Bengals and the 49ers. I think the Raiders maybe took a flyer on him too. Um, but he, he's just sort of been all over the league at this point And, Again, the Browns, I think, are a great situation for him because he doesn't have to start right away, you know, and he can learn from guys like, you know, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett, a couple of these guys who, who are established in the league and are, you know, elite at their position. So, you know, maybe he can learn it there. You know, a more stable coaching staff, I'm sure, could help too because in Atlanta, you know, there was just so much uh, instability on, you know, the, the coaches coming in and out, new defensive coordinators, Dan Quinn taking over. Um, and, you know, just a team that was slowly deteriorating a little bit um, with no sort of leader on the defense. So, you know, he, he could thrive. I think Cleveland is a good spot for him. Um, I just think that, you know, his, his issues aren't talent. I think his issues are work ethic. 
he seems to be in really good shape, but if but if the work ethic side of things also falls into the can he handle the mental burden of the stress or all of the things yeah. that come with the NFL to be determined. And uh, again, and, you know, and and you you had, you had mentioned it too. I mean, sort of that unknown issue that he's gone for. He, he that 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 sort of raises a red flag for me too because you know he he seemed to have those issues in Atlanta too. So. Again, as you said, I don't want to speculate on what it might be because, you know, it could be anything personal matter. I don't want to, you know, judge a book by, you know, what, what, what's going on right now. But uh, he sort of had that issue in, in Atlanta. So I hope it's not the same case in Cleveland. Yeah, the availability thing is, is what's so important for him because you're right. The talent's there, but what form of availability can that be for him is what's going to determine the rest of his career because the talent's there to get another contract somewhere, build on it. But if you, some guys just never get it right mentally. And that, and that could be. Yeah, they don't. It could be a medical thing. It could be a, a perpetual family thing. You don't know. You never know. But hopefully for Tack, this opportunity doesn't go. He said all the right things, as anybody would. You would always like to yeah. hear people say all the right things. But we need to see him prove it. Hopefully his time back with Cleveland. I don't know if he's going to play this week, and there has not been a clear answer on that. But he's he's practicing. So we'll see how that shakes out. As we close here, Miles, just kind of what you think this year looks like. You know, there's an extra game. First-year new head coach. A lot of adjustments going on, adding in new weapons, lost Julio Jones, big transition for the franchise. Sort of what do you pin the win-loss outlook to be? I'm expecting them to be right at around 500. Um, definitely some improvements. I mean, look, this was a team that, you know, was four wins away from, from being, you know, a lot better last year. I mean, this this might have been the, the best 4-12 and team of all time last year. Uh, with the losses they had. I mean, they should have beaten Dallas, you know, that excruciating uh, onside kick. Uh, you know, they blew a lead with the Lions. They blew a lead with the Bears. They blew a lead with the Buccaneers. I mean, there was just so many moments last year in games that should have been in the bag that they just fumbled away at the very end. You know, just they, they 28 to three at a lot of it. Um, regarding this year, I mean, they, I, I just, there's nowhere to go but up for me. I mean, the, the main issues are just personnel because of cap issues that they have. Um, but I'm expecting them to be an eight and eight team. I think Arthur Smith will immediately pay dividends. I think you're going to see a difference because his coaching style is just a complete 180 from what Dan Quinn's was Dan Quinn. I mean, I don't know if you watch hard knocks, but what you're seeing there is sort of what he was, you know, he, he was that sort of raw, raw guy, you know, he, he, he kind of strayed away from the X's and O's. Um, Arthur Smith is no BS, no, you know, rah, rah statements of, you know, we're pissed, embrace the suck, whatever you want to say that, that, uh, that Dan Quinn would sort of rally behind. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm expecting Arthur Smith to, to, you know, you're going to see a difference, I believe. I mean, Atlanta has had pretty, pretty good luck when it comes to new coaches in their first year. I mean, Mike Smith took over Bobby Petrino in 2008 with a new quarterback in Matt Ryan, new GM. And, immediately took them to the playoffs and then Dan Quinn takes over for Mike Smith. They start six and zero, and they stumbled a little bit at the end, but the next season they were in the Super Bowl. So um, I'm expecting, you know, significant improvement, especially on offense. Uh, the defense remains to be unknown, but again, that's a group that has nowhere to go, but up, you know, they've been around that 27 to 32 range for the last 10 years. So uh, I'm expecting Dean Pease to, to, to do a lot better because I mean, Hey, he's had success at almost every stop he's been at. So um, yeah, I'm expecting about a 500 season. I'd, I'd say, you know, maybe eight and eight or not eight and eight. Well, I guess this is new. There's new records now, right? Uh, I'd <laughs> say maybe a nine and eight season. I think would be extremely successful for this group. Well, yeah, I think I think that the coaching staff is right. I believe in both sides of the leadership there, and I think the pieces are going to come together. And 
they'll slowly work them way out their way out of the cap situation that they're in and the promise there's promise for the future which is good that's sometimes the most important thing you need especially with the coaching change so i'm pulling for atlanta let's hope it's a clean game no no significant injuries and everybody comes out of it good and uh, we appreciate time from the real miles garrett <laughs> the real miles Garrett. yeah you got hope you guys use uh more of my guy austin hooper up there i've been waiting for him to go off we 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 like him. We like him. He had a he had a tough year. He had I think he had an either an appendectomy or something mid season. Oh, he did. Okay, I, I, it I was strange. Oh yeah, I man, you're covering your own team. It's hard to keep track of these guys in other yeah. places. But yeah, he missed like four weeks with that happening or appendicitis. I don't know. Someone's going to correct me in the podcast mentions, but um, he missed a chunk of the middle and 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 did not have a great season consistently catching the rock. But he'll be focused this year. I, I'm sure he's ready for a bounce back year. So we'll we'll try to take care of him and feed him and. You just promised that Kyle Pitts gets a couple targets to help my fantasy team, and we'll call it even. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was waiting to get him on my team, too. But uh, props <laughs> to you for getting that. All right. Thanks again, Miles. Thank you. I appreciate it. Look, I understand you might be disappointed. That's not the first Miles Garrett I would have preferred. But it's not bad to settle for that because we do figure out a lot of things about the Falcons for Sunday night and uh, a little bit of what they're going to be in 2021 is it's a big transition for that franchise. So, again, thank you to Miles. Hopefully we get the other Miles Garrett on this podcast someday. Fingers crossed. Anyway, thanks for joining today. Uh, This is always going to be your Behind Enemy Lines podcast where we look at the opposing team uh, from somebody who covers them, and then you'll get your Sunday morning podcast a little bit more in-depth as the season gets here a little bit more in depth about what the opposing team will try to do, things to pay attention to, you know, your three focal points for the game, all of that. But this one will always be geared towards the opinion of somebody who covers them and can give us insights about players, coaches, uh, the state of the team, all of that stuff that I can't, you you know, I can't provide that because I don't cover those teams. So hopefully you find this as beneficial as I do in, in my preparation for who the Browns are playing and, and understanding the opponent. Um, shout out again to, uh, all of you for for watching uh, all of the Twitch this week. We had a great week of episodes. We're going to have a great week of episodes next week. As like we said, big decisions are looming. I know it's kind of a technical bye week, but we'll still have some great shows on where the Browns roster is shaping up because the 53 they decide on at cutdown is not going to be the 53 that they necessarily end up with. If you recall last year, they released right after they released Farrell Brown, right at almost, almost right after they made the decision on the 53, they claim Joe Jackson. They claim Vincent Taylor. They let go of Farrell Brown, and uh, they let go of somebody else too, right there at the at the cutdown at, at the cutdown portion. I think they let go of uh, Eli Ankow uh, at the time, the defensive tackle who they brought back to the practice squad. But yeah, it's just it's a moving door. They're they're going to look at they're going to look at waivers and bring people in, um, and then maybe let go of some people that we thought they were going to keep. Whatever. Don't get too invested in that right at the moment. Fifty three, but there will be big decisions that that do stand out. And we'll be here to cover all of that. On the OBR website, you will find great analytics study from Anthony Reinhardt. You looked at the wide receiver three situation for the Browns. You can also find everything you want from camp this week. And also a great nugget from Brad Stainbrook for VIP subscribers only, where he heard something particularly interesting about decisions coming up in the wide receiver room for this 53-man roster. So if you're a subscriber, you've probably already seen it. If not, you should subscribe to get these things before anybody else does. And that's a a big part of what we provide. So go check that out. Figure out the news about the wide receiver room. 
ahead of time, days ahead of cut down day, uh, things that are trending in certain directions. It's a great piece of information. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for spreading the word about this podcast as the growth continues. I appreciate you guys, the listeners, so, so much. Hitting me up with feedback, all of that. I appreciate it all the time. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great Saturday. And uh, we'll check in tomorrow before the game. Go Browns.